swords with handle art to spar trolls and charge tolls to cross roads where bandits are. Catacombs and giant doors protect the chest and stores from legendary items with the dragon bones and iron It's ore. a grand theft of Elder Scrolls, Simon's quest with Toe and Earl, rock shoes to every clue, Easter eggs and gaming news, the POTUS need some bad dudes to crash crew like Bandicoot, all shit and gaming and glitch control issues. Control issues. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, well, this is control issues. I am the AMC. And this is a dub. You can find us at control-issues.com. That dash is a hyphen. Also, head on over to your podcast provider, whoever that may be. Look for control issues, download it, subscribe to it, rate it, review it. Um, go on over to twitch.tv slash control issues pod where we put up gameplay videos for your viewing pleasure. Uh, you can also mosey on over to X. Uh, my control issues is the handle Nick Fan X. And then lastly, what was lastly? Oh yeah, shoot us an email or something. Let us know you're out there. Tell us how we're doing. Tell us how how we can improve. Tell us how we impacted your life. Tell us how your day is going. Tell us what you have for lunch. Control issues pod at gmail.com. AMC, how are you living? Living well, a dub. Um, yeah, we took that, took that two week break. Uh, we're back again, back stronger than ever. Um, yeah, my, my last two weeks have been awesome. Hanging out with the fam, you know, doing the damn thing. Did my walk, did my, did my exercising, um, had, um, our, our pre Thanksgiving meal last night because we do the, the double Thanksgiving. So we have the Thanksgiving with my family, which is going to be at my cousin's for the first time. So that's oh. interesting. Oh. They, you know they're handing it off a dub for the. I don't know if it's just for this year. If this is a, a new thing that's happening, but they're they're handing it off this year. So be interesting. But um, yeah. Well, so you know, we're getting we're getting at that age, man. You know, the the elders are getting more elderly, and it's time to start passing on the traditions. It's time for the the next in line to take the helm and start hosting the family events and the get-togethers to serve as the glue for yeah. the family. We're trying yeah. to figure that out ourselves. I think yeah, for them it's mainly they don't want to clean up anymore, and <laughs> all the people that cleaned up now have kids to take care of. Like so, they're like you know, like I would help make the mashed potatoes, which I I now do. I just do it here, but I would do it there at my aunt's house, and I got the kids now, so I can't I can't break away from them. So they lost a bunch of helpers, so now they're like y'all got to take care. Of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's y'all turn now. <laughs> Turn the deal to shit. Uh, all might take it down all for one, losing <laughs> losing the last bit of his power is your turn now. <laughs> Eat my hair. Yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, So, yeah, so we're going to do that. But anyways, because we do that with my family, um, the week on Thanksgiving Day um, to do Mercer's family, we do it the week before. So that was last night, which would have been Saturday. Um and yeah, it was good. We, um, Mrs. Mom, their, her family threw down, uh, her mom and her dad. And, uh, yeah, they, they brought it. Turkey was, was moist and, and juicy. 
the cranberry was from the can, like how I like it. The uh, <laughs> they they made cream corn, which my family doesn't make, so I enjoyed that. It was awesome. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, watched the the Paw Patrol Mighty movie, whatever mm-hmm. it is, came out on Disney Plus. So I went to watch that with Theo in the theaters. That was his first movie ever. So he watched it and it kind of just goes away. Like he's like, that was just the thing I did. And mm-hmm. then, you know, it pops up on stream and he's like, it's, it's back. <laughs> so he's been, <laughs> We've been watching that for the past couple of weeks and the or past couple of days. And it, it holds up, you know, it holds up for a Paw Patrol movie. It holds up. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, that's, that's been great. How about yourself? A dub? How's your, your past two weeks been? Oh man. So Jeez, <laughs> where to begin? Uh, so I don't, I don't know if I shared this on the show in previous weeks, but about a month ago, the day after my birthday, two months after I paid off my car, some idiot in traffic yeah. sideswipes my car. So that was a whole thing. Got the estimate. I put it in the shop on Friday and they're going to take care. And I guess the whole situation is going to be taken care of from there. So mm-hmm. hopefully... Hopefully I get my, my car back within the next couple of weeks, maybe three weeks at the most. Hopefully it's not too long, but luckily it's around this holiday season. So there's only like one in office day this week, but my supervisor was like, you ain't got to come in. <laughs> no, nobody's going to be working. Just don't come in. So yeah, get to spend this you, uh, next. I guess you don't deal with that. Uh, you didn't get impacted by the 10, did you? <laughs> Impacted by ten? No, I yeah. heard about that, and that is yeah, yeah. it's a, absolutely insane. Yeah, I did. I don't. I have. I dealt with it the first day, and then I had to just leave earlier. I don't drive actually on the ten, but the route that I take, people branch off to the ten, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, that ended up slowing everything down on the drive to work. Away from work, it's totally fine, but to work, it was it was a nightmare. I got to work like an hour late. But I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't have made me come in when you know I could work from home. Yeah. Um I mean the the de- <laughs> the detail I heard the details of it and as ridiculous as they are, they're depressingly predictable. Yeah. It's like the person who owned the land under the freeway that caught fire was illegally leasing it. And not only that, was also jacking up the rents. So, of course, nobody's going to be caring about safety and hazards out there. People have been complaining about the potential for a fire hazard on that area all this time. And sure enough, something happens and now nobody keeps the freeway. So that's how that goes. And of course, you know. Wait, wait, so it wasn't the homeless people? (laughs) I... I don't, what, that's I, don't what, know, like, I don't know the exact details, but that's what, that's people, just like, what I heard like, on the article. Yeah, that's what people tried to like, right, blame it on immediately. Radio. So yeah. that's one reason why it would be interesting if it wasn't, if that wasn't the case. I was like, oh yeah, that just once again, it's like, all right, let's find our quick scapegoat. <laughs> let's blame the homeless people. <laughs> nah, <laughs> as far as I know, no homeless yeah. people, just some greedy yeah. dude doing yeah. shit the wrong way, trying yeah. to make the most money as possible at the expense of everybody else's health and safety. You know, standard <laughs> American yeah. bullshit. <laughs> yeah, which is even funnier would be you blame the homeless people when it's actually some greedy like landowner. <laughs> yeah, the per- the person with the money and influence that can actually make something like that happen through pure negligence. Yeah, <laughs> as you know, just another day. Yeah. But yeah, so got got the car in the shop. Hopefully, I get that back. You know, in, in a timely manner. That'll be nice. You know, I I was the car was fine. It was operable. I was very happy that 
the window wasn't shattered. But at the same token, you know, driving it around with that that big bruise on it. Ugh, ugh, I can't do that. I'm not. That ain't me. That is not befitting of someone of my stature and station. Come on now. But yeah, so did that. Uh, been getting a little more consistent on my workouts. I, I got to throw more days in. However, I'm still getting my few days here and there. I'm getting tighter on my eating. My, my stomach is is flattening out. My pants are getting a little looser. So what I'm doing is working. I guess I'm at that. I'm a little bit past that point of equilibrium where the work is canceled out by the consumption. So now I'm starting to see some positive results. So I'm just add some more workout days. I don't know if I'm getting old or if it's just the weight and maybe I got to come down and get the strength up. I mean, I talked about this in the past, but it's just like every now and then my knees, man, <laughs> I'm really beginning to understand like people who were older than me that were always like, oh yeah, my knees, oh, I can't do that. Oh, my knees, my knees, I can't walk that far. I got my knees. It's like, yeah, I'm starting to feel you. So, you know, I never laughed at anybody or made light of their struggles. At the same token, I also didn't give it the, how you say, it? I didn't give it the the seriousness and, you know, the concern that it rightly deserves. So, you know, the shoe's on the other foot now. I'm right there with you guys. And I apologize for <laughs> for not taking this situation as seriously as possible. I mean, at the same token, the the working out and the walking, my my knees are slowly starting to feel more normal. And it it plays into this theory I have about myself where my body is more used to being in shape and athletic than out of shape and lethargic. So when you just when you sit in a body at rest, man, is I'm trying to think what, what the saying is, but like use it or lose it, the body at rest and stays at rest. And, you know, if you if you don't move, you die and that kind of stuff. And yeah, I'm starting to believe that more and more because I was just having little aches and pains throughout my body when I was doing nothing but laying on the couch all day watching TV, playing video games. So as soon as I start getting active and exercising and eating right, suddenly everything starts to feel better. I, you start to remember how you like that that tight, firm feeling of your body, how you like to feel that that burn where you know that your body is just consuming all of that, all that gristle. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm getting back on that. I watched Blue Beetle. And while I I like the main guy, oof, and the leading lady as well. She was just smoking. But you know. It's it a, one. It's a homie, right? From Kai. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I love him. He's an awesome actor. Yeah. I think think his name is like Zolo or something. It, yeah. it starts with an X. He's got a real cool name. And, and I, yeah, <laughs> I and I, I feel bad that I I don't know his name exactly because normally I give people that respect, especially when I want to talk about them and offer them praise. But you know, <laughs> sorry, my dude, I'm gonna get it right. <laughs> I'm gonna give you your flowers. You did a good job in the film. However, it, it is one of those. It is one of those movies where I'm watching it. I'm enjoying the action. George Lopez was hilarious. <laughs> I gotta say that he he did an excellent he did an excellent job. Everybody in the cast did an excellent job. Has Susan Sarandon? Yeah. <laughs> She's killing it. But it's one of those movies where I'm sitting there watching it. And I'm just like, oh, you're going back to the scene of the crime. Like they have cameras. They would know your face. Like you're on camera. Why are you doing this? And it's 
it has that same superhero origin kind of situation that I'm not entirely too fond of where it's that reluctant hero syndrome. And you like you get this full body armor, AI intelligence talking to you in your head. You have all these weapons and abilities and your response is like, no, I got to get this off. No, I got to go back. It's like you were just given the greatest gift <laughs> the galaxy could offer. Like it's time to go, buddy. It's time to like make things happen, make change for people. You be a positive influence and just do whatever. No, no, we got to get this off of me. We got to get out of here with that. If that was, if, let me direct that movie. It would have been a whole different tone and tenor. However, overall, good product. The way the way I look at that normally, because I think they handled it well in, in She-Hulk. It was like kind of just the idea. And I'm, I'm not saying this is how they handled it in Blue Beetle, but I liked how they handled it in She-Hulk, where it's the idea of like, you kind of have your your plan and then this thing comes into your life and fucks yeah. up your plan. And you're kind of like, but no, I, I already had this shit planned out. And yeah. now you're you're throwing me off. Like this this whole superpower thing is throwing me off. So I like how they did handle it there. But I know I like I'm not saying that 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 they did handle this one well, but I do like how they handled it on Sheehan. Well, yeah. it's 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 parallel in Blue Beetle. It's the same thing. Like he was getting his life started. He just graduated from college, like his family's going through hard times, and he was dead set on trying to do something to help, you know, drag his family out of that hole. Make that and, then, and it's like, it's not, it's not even so much the reluctant hero thing in general, as much as it's like the whining and the complaining, like two thirds of the way through the movie at the point where it should be like, well, I have this thing. I need to make the best of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like this, this one man army is coming after me but overall good film and it's going to be interesting to see how that gets integrated in the future DC properties you know depending on what the hell Warner Brothers decides they want to do with everything but that's another developing story that we're not going to get into uh, watch that started watching Scott Pilgrim love the animation the original uh, no not the original the, the animated series that's out there's eight oh, okay. episodes on Netflix and oh, it's nice. Yeah, it's animated. It looks like the comics. It, it has the same writers as the comic books. And I never read the comic books. I didn't pay much attention to the film, which is why when I'm, I was watching the first episode, and I'm just thinking to myself, Scott Pilgrim's not a good dude. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not using that as a reason to like, hate on the show or drag it down. It's a very good show. Outstanding performances. Great animation. Ramona is just the chef's kiss. That is just a great character. And everybody who's portrayed her has been awesome. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who, who in the movie, and whoever's doing her voice in the television show. But like, your man Scott Pilgrim, twenty-three years old, is leading on a wide-eyed seventeen-year-old girl, falls in love with this random woman that he happened to see in the dream, and then immediately starts going after her. Doesn't break it off with the seventeen-year-old girl doesn't inform the girl that he's pursuing about the 17 year old girl. And then when presented with the chance to do that, decides to, Oh, I'm going to run. And then the girls find out about it from each other. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm a classic man. I think you should just face your problems head on and, and do the right thing. So is, this different, than, is this different from the movie or is it like a, no, another part? No, it's not different from the movie. So at I, least, so at least from so what he, I can tell, it's just I didn't notice those parts of the movie because I didn't really pay attention and I was mostly in it for the action. 
so he's he has a girlfriend and yet he's fighting all these other exes of the girl that he's trying to get with while he has a girlfriend basically he hasn't <laughs> he hasn't claimed the girl as his girlfriend but he's also not not claiming yeah, because why is he fighting the exes and like the? That's what I'm trying to remember. Because he's trying to get with the the new girl, the girl yeah. of his dreams, but she's got these evil exes, and apparently Scott Pilgrim is known as the best fighter in the province, which I thought was awesome. I wish I had known that when I went to the movie. So it's <laughs> it's an interesting slant. Like, there's a lot of interesting things going on. It's just the one thing that I'm not on board with with is how yeah. not good of a person Scott. but you know what that's fine it's nice to see stories with different kinds of lead characters and people who aren't perfect you know we need to see these perspectives and see these awkward situations they do exist there are people who identify with scott pilgrim so Mm -hmm. you know it's only right that they get their content too uh started monarch legacy of monsters i'm about halfway through the first episode i had to cut that off to to record today but you know it I'm loving it. I'm monster movie sucker all day long. Godzilla fan. Godzilla's better than Kong. Get off me. Um, what else did I watch? I mean, I'm keeping up with Goblin Slayer. Uh, Rise of the Shield Hero Season 3 is going strong. Jujutsu Kaisen is crazy right now. Like, crazy, dude. There was this latest episode. I don't think I was breathing halfway through the episode just like, Oh my God, what's going to happen now? <laughs> it's, dude, if you haven't started Jujutsu Kaisen, I highly recommend that. Um, still waiting for the final part of Attack on Titans finale to get the English dub so I can watch it. Uh, is there any more anime I've been watching? I'm trying to find a new anime, but like now I'm starting to get into the stuff. Where it's like, oh, this guy, he he only plays trash VR games and he's shitting on every game that he does. <laughs> like, I can't do that. Uh, there's some good stuff out there. I've watched a ton of it, and I just got to find the next thing. Blue-Eyed Samurai is awesome. I recommend people watch that on Netflix. Yeah, I see. That's, that's about it. Just playing games, cleaning up, getting ready for the holiday season. We know that once Halloween is over, we completely ignore Thanksgiving and go straight into Christmas season. So (laughs) it's time for me to bust out the Charlie Brown tree and put my ridiculously large ornament on it that makes it dangle off to the side. (laughs) Yeah, man, I'm I'm pumped. Gonna start thinking about presents, maybe start getting my ingredients together to bake my, my annual batches of cookies and give those out. Yeah. Things keep on rolling. Hell yeah. Well, let's get into what we've been playing. What you've been playing, A-Dub? What have I been playing? I will start with the big one at long last. Your boy A-Dub has done it. I have trekked across the stars. I have dealt with the unknown. I have finished Starfield. Oh, man. It was such a long ride. Probably about 160, 170 hours. Overall, I greatly enjoyed my experience. It's easily one of my favorite Bethesda RPGs. Uh, it's it, it just scratches that sci-fi itch. I mean, this is a game that I've been dreaming of since I was a child, and now it, it's a reality, and it, I've seen the credits. I've gotten to the new game plus and all that entails, which is some pretty cool stuff. And just, man, they did an excellent job 
with their main quests, with their side quests that run up to the final mission was an absolutely epic adventure. I I had to, you know, take a break, do some grinding, get some perks so I could increase my level. Like there was a particularly tough ship battle that I couldn't accomplish. And when I came back to it, like eight or six or eight levels higher and with a ship that was just maxed out for for the class that I had it in, I was just shredding everything. It was awesome. Like the way that my ship is now and the way that ship combat is going now with this maxed out class being of modified razor leaf. And if you know what the razor leaf is, then you know what the razor leaf is. But yeah, now I got that and I'm just cutting these ships out of the sky. It's awesome. Um, just playing around with the different mechanics, really paying, I was really paying attention to like the, the audio logs and the notepads that would offer insight as to where different kinds of things were that aren't necessarily highlighted or structured content in the game itself. And I, I just had a blast. It was an awesome game. Now I get a chance to go into new game plus and try out different decisions, try out different perks, different weapons and see everything that the game has to offer for everything that I did in the game. I still left a lot of meat on the bone. There's a lot of unexplored systems with whatever secrets they might hold. There's still different kinds of quests and NPCs. I haven't found uh, like Amelia Earhart is in the game, <laughs> which I thought was crazy. And I did myself the favor and I did not look up how to find her. Hopefully I just happen upon her in my travels one of these days, but yeah, loving the hell out of Starfield. Highly recommended. It's, it was worth the wait. And yeah, enjoy my time with it. Um, I also bought myself a new game. I actually bought a few new games, but I played one of them, which was Jusan. And that was a game that was shown off earlier this year in one of the showcases. And it's a, it's a nice, cozy, kind of peaceful game. Like there's no dialogue. Everything is is text driven as you as you climb up the tower and find the remnants of the people who used to live there. Like you come across the sand to this tower and you just start climbing. It's impossibly it's impossibly tall. And the higher you get, the more mechanics you get introduced to and the more challenging the climbing gets. Like it's basically a, a climbing puzzle game. And it's pretty awesome. Like you you control the hands of the character independently with the left and the right trigger. So in essence, it's a climbing simulator, but it's a, it's a well done one. Like you hook in, you hook in your line, you start climbing, you hook it in again. If you don't want to fall back to where you started, you keep climbing, you're moving your hands. You got the stamina bar a la Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom. However, you have the ability to press the left stick in and take a breather, get some of your energy back, shake your arms out, and then you keep climbing. And eventually you unlock this little pet that's in your pack on your back. And that pet is able to interact with things in the environment, like certain plants and certain structures that, you know, you can illuminate paintings and collect those. You can also, you know, activate the plants, they rapidly grow and create new climbing paths that, that you can explore. And now that I'm getting further up the tower, they're introducing certain hazards and things like now the sunlight is getting more intense. So because of that, 
it consumes more stamina as I'm climbing. So you got to be you got to be more careful about how you plot your route and be quicker, be more sure of where you're going. In addition, it also rapidly dries out and withers some of the plants that you may grow. So when you do activate them, you have to quickly scurry up and get past them or else you're going to get set right back where you were. Um, I'm also at a point where now certain climbing paths have these rock beetles that are crawling on the wall. So you, there aren't any handholds. You have to hold on to that beetle. But as you're holding on to the beetle, it can't support your weight the whole way. So it starts slowing down. It starts sliding down. You got to climb up to another beetle and move. And then you got to look for the next handhold. You got to do that. You got to jump. You got to repel. You got to like, you got to do that thing where you run, you run up the side of the, you run up the side of a wall swinging back and forth to try to give yourself some leverage to make, to make longer jumps. And it's, it seems to have the bases covered for the different, the different challenges that you encounter while you're rock climbing. It's very well done. Excellent performance, just charming graphics overall, just a pleasing aesthetic, excellent sound design. But this game does the one thing that I wish every single video game would do. When you start the game and you're looking at the title screen, when you're about to select to continue, the title screen is showing you where you are in the game and your character's right there. So when you press continue, the game just starts. <laughs> no, no loading screen, no, like, no, just... Just no latency, just like, okay, here you are. <laughs> and you're off to it. So yeah, I highly recommend Juicant. It's not that pricey. If you're into games that don't involve combat and are just nice, peaceful experiences with a little bit of challenge, with, with some puzzle aspects going on, I think this is the game for you. It's made by Don't Nod, which is the same developer behind Remember Me. And I think they're... I don't remember the name of the game, but it's the one where your significant other is a ghost and you two go around hunting other ghosts. So that's on its way out pretty soon. And it's a drastically different kind of game, different, like far more realistic than what you saw it is. So they're really showing off their range and their talent with those two titles. But yeah, if you're into cozy, cool, chill games, I think Jusant might be the one for you. Highly recommend. I've um, also been playing the hell out of Overwatch 2. Um, almost to the end of the battle pass. And, you know, just having a blast on that. I haven't been able to get with my man E single that often lately because, you know, now that the actor's writer strike is over, he's getting back to work on various projects. So his availability is a little, uh, a little scarce. However, I've been solo queuing and just getting used to playing with randoms at the same token, also dealing with people who don't want to play the game and keep leaving or just throwing the game because they have better things to do, even though they're sitting there with the game booted up for no reason at all. Still enjoying myself, still performing well. Roadhog got a got an update. I think supports also got updated to some extent. You know, we got MAGA coming. Uh, December 5th, so I'm looking forward to that. Enjoying the hell out of that. Uh, Diablo 4, I got my Necromancer to level 100 in Season 2. I completed the 
the Vampire Hunter Bounty Board and all that Blood Harvest activity. I completed all but the last season journey chapter, which is doable. I just don't think that I'm going to put in the time and the effort to do that. Um, I'm more interested in putting my time toward other games and chipping away at my backlog until season three comes around or until, you know, it's time for me to boot up another new game. I want to try to get at least one more 2023 game under my belt before the end of the year. And ideally that'll be Baldur's Gate three. I mean, excuse me, not Baldur's Gate three. I'm Alan Wake two. Baldur's Gate three is coming later. And we got some news on that as to why I'm, I'm choosing to wait, but yeah, man, just, just moving through the board, slowly knocking things out of my backlog, trying out new things, enjoying old things that I have, just enjoying the hobby. But AMC, what have you been playing? Yes, yes. Um, play a couple games uh, over the past two weeks. Um, first one, I'll say Diablo 4. I beat the campaign, put that down. That was awesome. That yes. final run up. Yes. How yeah. did at when the credits roll? How did you feel about the entire journey? I thought I loved it, and especially like uh, now knowing, uh, like knowing that they one announced the expansion and then the title of the expansion, and now makes all the complete more sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, and so I like look at it. I was like, oh, okay, like this is this is an ongoing story. Yes, yeah. which I like. Like it's not like just a it ended and then it's like all right now. 20 years when we put out Diablo 5, you'll figure out what's going on <laughs> with this, with this, you know, with this primeval. Um, and it's also, and it's also not like Reaper of Souls where they just add another act that doesn't necessarily deal with the previous, the previous acts. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's actually building upon that story. Like you said, it's continuing it, which is, I think that is the far better move. Yeah. I, so I enjoyed it because it's, if you are going to treat this, like if, if we're going to, if people are going to sit down, not we, if people are going to sit down <laughs> and, and knock this game for being a live service, then you do also have to recognize the um, the positive sides of it and the opportunities that having it, it being a live service game can create. And one of those things is an, an ongoing story. Like it doesn't have to end with the, the conclusion of the first campaign. And so knowing that they're going to do that and seeing like, oh, okay, so now I can always not only just... You know, with Diablo, a lot of times you are looking forward to like the story content, but a lot of times you're looking forward to like whatever class that they're going to add into the game and, mm-hmm. you know, the new power ups and, and bonuses and buffs that they're going to include along with that expansion. But now I'm actually looking forward to the, the story just as much as the uh, whatever new class that they bring alongside it, just knowing that one, I, I really enjoyed the story and the characters involved. And two, I'm now invested to see what happens because you know it ends and you're kind of like wait what, what what's going on <laughs> like, mm-hmm. well, at least the vessel here. <laughs> yeah everything, everything's not all right <laughs> like and so yeah um so yeah i i really enjoyed that looking forward to it um yeah i i'm it the the you know as the the big picture starts to like set in and you can see it like you know it become a little more clearer then you can understand the moves behind it and that's that's always why I, I i typically hold back on my you know on my opinions when people just immediately you know jump to the doom and gloom it's like well mm-hmm. we gotta wait and see how this plays out and so all people see initially is like oh like how is live service potentially going to ruin this game oh there's a marketplace um but then you don't really see 
what they have planned for it, how they plan to attack it. Cause it's, it's blizzard. Like you, you can't assume that blizzard is just going to half ass a decision. Like whenever they do something like they're going to stick by it and they're going to try to see it out and do it in the best way blizzard can do it. And yeah, mm-hmm. and this is right here. It's just showing their plan. And yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I really enjoyed the story. I loved, as I said, I love the characters and at this point, yeah, I just have to push to, um, I want to push level 50, start getting the paragons and all that stuff. So I'll probably stay off of season two just so that I can focus on maxing out my necromancer and really just uh-huh. getting into that late game content. So then I can finally start to play with some of your, some of your uh, stronger toys. That you have to have you, have you dabbled in the in-game content? No, not at all. I, um, immediately after I beat it and rolled credits and all that stuff, I, I jumped on to the next game. <laughs> You're like, ah, that was nice. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, is there something that you would recommend like going into right away after you complete the campaign? I mean, just just playing the game. Because yeah. now with the end game, now you have access to the Tree of Whispers and the bounties. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's that's where you really start leveling up and, and getting your rewards. It's, it's just that like... It's a nice evolution of the bounty system that they introduced with adventure mode in Diablo three, where now the bounties, they exist in the world and they shuffle around after a certain time period, but you could just take them at your own pace or not at all, but you could take them at your own pace. And then there's like, it's not like Diablo three where you have to go to a particular region and complete all the bounties in that region to get your reward. You have a meter. It's, it's a 10 point meter. Each of the bounties have a different point value depending on, you know, their type. And once you fill that meter, then you just go and cash in. So that's awesome. Yeah. That it's, it's awesome. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, that's awesome. So you have that. You're gonna have the capstone dungeons, which are how you increase the world tiers. So I highly recommend. It. Um, what level are you? I am, I believe, forty nine. So I'm like right there at fifty. Go do that capstone dungeon. Get yourself to world tier three, so you can start getting that better loot. So you can start getting the tougher enemies with the bigger payouts. <laughs> and just it, Diablo, baby, <laughs> that loot. So good. like you got it yeah so good um yeah so played that played the shit out of that it was awesome um then i played some super mario wonder uh that that game was awesome still continuing to you know surprise us with some of the things they throw at us and just really loving the challenges and the uh the the puzzles like the mystery as far as like trying to find all the objects within the world so you're you're you go to these places and you're always trying to find the wonder seeds and like First of all, you're trying to just beat the level, but then as you're playing the level, like you're trying to find all the little secrets within the level. So you're like just checking everything, paying attention to every little like movement of a character, all their their behaviors and stuff like that, like how it changes once the uh, the wonder the wonder seed is found, or when yeah, like seeing in the pipes and how those adjust once like the things start getting trippy, and then yeah, it's 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 a very just a very enjoyable experience multiplayer experience like it's it's mario goodness but with like newness um we got another so i mentioned in the previous episode like you get uh one of the things that they did different with this game they've done other ones is that you get this badge and the badge adds like an added ability to your character mm-hmm. and they're they they show up in like they they can prove to be very uh 
like uh, beneficial to different levels based on like the, um, you know, just what's going on. And so one of the ones that we got recently was a swimming badge and it basically makes you like swim like like a dolphin or whatever, like underwater, Ooh, like it's like okay. super fast. You have great control. You get like a speed boost and all that stuff. So we use that, got to like a water level. We're just, we're just zipping about and everything. So it's just little details like that where, you know, in the past where people, it's like a thing like that we would joke about. We were just like, oh, water level. How many people hate water levels in video games? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like they just they just found a way to make that a little more approachable and enjoyable by like just adding this badge. So it's like not only is it one makes it a little easier to get through it, but then it makes you feel smart. Cause you're like, you're showing up a little more equipped for the level with your, with your dolphin badge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, they just, they do these little details that I think is like a, a breath of fresh air, but also that, that same goodness that you would expect from uh, a Mario 2d platformer. So I'm enjoying the shit out of that game, loving the puzzles, loving the secrets, just loving the girlfriend game experience that Mario wonder brings. And the next one I want to talk about, um, you know, let's take a quick break. We, we went kind of long in the opening because mm-hmm. I want to give this one a little time, a little air to breathe. Because oh, sounds yeah, juicy. We gotta talk about the guide. Let me talk about yes. the, the the new game I've been playing. So, oh, we'll be right back. <laughs> All right, we are back, continuing on with what AMC has been playing. Yeah, so uh, um, juicy playing that Diablo, playing that Mario. Um, yeah, so after I beat Diablo, it was time to jump into that backlog. And finally play a game that I've been been waiting. I, I bought the game. I bought the seasonal like DLC for it. The <laughs> season pass. Mm-hmm. Uh the season one. And I just haven't touched the game. And I just been waiting. And it just been just every time I looked at like the games that I need to play, it was always there, just at the top of the list of the game that I most wanted to play. So I finally had the time. I jumped in, finally played Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Yes, and, I saw you online. Uh, it was so good. Yeah, so yeah, it's you know. They they added Dragon Ball Z, uh, I think it was Kai, um, on Hulu, like the entire series. So there, I had that itch. I was like, damn, am I going to actually finally sit down and like, just watch this all again, just in one like complete, complete like um, just watch through as opposed to, you know, waiting, recording episodes here and there like when I was in high school. Um, and so, yeah, I was just like, oh, I can finally like just watch this, like this entire thing. And then just kept kind of pushing it off because I got other things to watch ahead of it. Then I'm like, oh wait, I play this game, pretty much goes through all of it, and I get to experience it while also playing it. And so it's like the best of both worlds. So it's just it made sense. Kill two birds with one stones. And like I just been, you know, had the hunger to play that game all while playing Diablo. So if I sit down and play it, it's I'll say the first off, like I'm I'm playing it and I'm like, okay, it's like hitting all the uh all the spots as far as like just the fandom when it comes to dragon ball z just the intro to the game is great you, you know you're you get like the cut scenes and it's like in engine it looks great though it looks still looks great um it's you're starting off right at the uh you know the opening of the saiyan saga so it's like right after like five years after goku has beaten kid piccolo He's, he's now just like, you know, hanging out with Gohan. You got kid Gohan and he's just, you know, just doing the damn thing, not training him yet. Hasn't even introduced him to the homies. And then um, that's where it kicks off. And so you go through that. You're going through getting the feel for like the flight in the game, traveling on the Nimbus cloud. 
um all that good stuff and like i'm, I'm playing it i'm like oh I'm, I'm kind of enjoying this this is cool like it's definitely hitting all those spots but like let's let's see what's what's going on here what's going on with this open world what's going on with the gameplay i get my first battle i battle a um i believe i battled an android and it was just like you know just an android out in the world and it was a really easy battle i'm kind of feeling it i'm like all right i'm liking this but it, it does feel a little button mashy i'll say as i'm first playing it and I, i'm taking i'm taking down the androids really easily and so i'm kind of like all right well it's definitely scratching that dragon ball z itch and i'm giving it points on that alone but i'm still trying to figure out how good of a game it is and i believe the game got like a seven so i didn't have you know high expectations but also feel like if that person's not really a Dragon Ball Z fan, he might just give it like a whatever score, but it might just get an added value coming from a person who's like deep in that lore. And, um, and so, yeah, like I'm, I'm playing it, enjoying it more and more. And then, you know, they introduce like side quests. I'm seeing like some of like the homies that you run into in Dragon Ball uh, in their world. So it's kind of great from that perspective because you're in the open world, but like, it's dragon ball z so like you're just flying and then you you're you're in the air and then like you know i'm gonna go land down there and you just see like yajirobe just like chilling yes talk to him fly, flying some more go land somewhere else i see uh poor just chilling um so yeah you're just seeing the casting characters of dragon ball um just out in the world which is already fun in its own way you're collecting collecting these orbs that are used as power-ups what I do like is like they have like training in the game. And so um you actually get so it's not like you have a set um a set amount of abilities that you can use. Um as far as like you're just playing the game and you're leveling up and you unlock like the Kamehameha wave and then you keep playing and you unlock like the spirit bomb. Like it's actually like you you get uh so there's training grounds out in the world and you have to like meet some criteria in order to then be able to unlock a new move but either you land you then once you get that criteria completed then you go to the training grounds and there you then do go through the training which is like it could be like a battle at least that's what i've experienced so far it's like a battle and then i get the ability to unlock it and then through there then i have say i have a whole list say 10 moves i only get to use i believe like five or four of them of like special abilities and so it's great because then you can just unlock so like a ton of skills and you can really like build out like you know the character that you want as far as like what moves you want to see goku doing so that was kind of cool i have like my different attacks my different blasts and still i'm like i'm enjoying it i'm playing it but i'm like running through like all these enemies and uh, of course the kitty just starts me out let me pause real quick all right, the cat is gone. Yeah, and so um yeah, I'm so I'm kind of like building out like my my character moves as I'm like kind of just getting introduced to the game. It still it still feels very uh, much I'm in the tutorial phase. And I'll say the game really you really start to see the game shine when you get into that first fight and it's with uh Raditz. Well, before that, I'll say this like so they go through the entire open like you're you're playing through the story. It is it's kind of great. Like they kind of stay as close as they can to as true to the story as opposed to you know really having it fractured because you're playing an open world game so it's great it's like um one of the episodes i believe is called like the world's strongest like team or whatever and that's when you know raditz lands piccolo comes to go to goku and he's like hey there's a dude here i ran into him and he was about to whoop my ass and so if we want to get this guy off of this planet we got to team up and so uh you, you team up and you're you're going through that and as great as like as i'm traveling out in the world 
Piccolo is always flying by my side. <laughs> and so that's great. Like doing side quests, Piccolo's there. Um, I get into battles. Um, so here's a pretty cool thing. So as you're battling, if you have like, say the companion with you, in this case, I had Piccolo from the story. Um, uh, he, he can act as a support character in the combat. So I'm doing my shit, do, getting off my Kamehameha's and all that stuff. But then I can also just mid-battle kind of do that, was it a Marvel vs. Capcom thing where I just tag in Piccolo real quick to just get off a special attack. And so he'll just step in, do his thing. He'll even just, as I'm fighting, like, um, so they said, you'll get different characters and they'll each serve a different purpose like some will be a little more defensive oriented help like block some attacks for you um but this one piccolo is just complete offensive so i'm like i'm getting off my melee melee attacks piccolo comes in starts getting off his shots i i, I said i have him do like a blast from the side hit the character stun him then i get off my shit so it's great from that so i'm seeing the combat open up because initially as i said it felt very button mashy i'm starting to see that okay there's a little more strategy to it but then as i said i get to that first battle with raditz and i remember seeing in a review that they said the game really shines in its boss battles and i will say that is very much very true to especially the combat of Dragon Ball Z, because when you're fighting these androids out in the world, it's, it's you just like, you know, you get off your three, like a couple attacks and then the, the fight's done. So you're not really getting much challenge from them, but then you get in that fight with Raditz and you're getting in that burst combat where you're, you're getting off of your like, <laughs> like your 10 shots. But then he does like his, like um he'll break up your combo, send you back flying, come at you, send blast at you. Then you got to start dodging them. And one of the things I thought that was cool that they added is so, um, so when you first get introduced to the game, they just teach you how to guard. And so like a guy's, you get off your shots and then a guy will come back, attack you and you make sure you either do your dodge or you can hold a guard and he might break your guard, but you can hold guard and you're absorbing the attacks. And what they introduced in the Raditz fight is then they started introducing the vanish attacks. And so that's, if he's attacking you and you have your guard going and you hit X or cross as PlayStation would like to say it. Um, then you'll do your vanish attack, which is in Dragon Ball Z where, you know, like Goku disappears and then appears behind the guy and it gets his like smash attack from behind him. So I'm now doing that in the combat. So Raditz, I'll get my attacks. Raditz comes at me, block in, do the vanish attack, hit him, uh, knock him down and you're using key. So, which is cool with that from a scene painting standpoint, because You'll do your vanish attack. You'll hit him, but if you do that, you use up some of your your inner your mana or key, as they call it, in, or chi, as they call it in a uh, Dragon Ball Z. And so then you have to do like your your power up, and that's like you hold down the triangle, and he'll start powering up. You build it back up, and you need that in order to get off like your special attacks or like your special counters. Um, and so like, and they also introduced with that like you have your vanish attack, which is from the guard. But then you can also do like you know the combo break from the guard, which they also introduced. During in the raditz fight and so it's uh and then they <laughs> sorry and they also introduced this other thing where if you um so if you're in combat and you're dodging attacks blocking at the right time you're kind of building up this we'll say spirit meter um and once that gets full then you do your power up and if you hold it down then you'll kind of hit like a you like a uh kind of like a leveled up state so we're not saying like it's not like a, like a super saiyan and it's not like kaioken but it's like 
they're they're lightly introducing that at this point and so you do that you'll hit that point and your attacks just they have like a thud to them they're a lot stronger and that's when you'll start doing the if you do the combo and complete it like you knock him and he he goes flying through like a couple mountains and then like it'll, it'll ask you to do a follow-up and you'll do the charge in and then get like another attack while he's flying back and uh so just through that raditz battle was right when i was like oh this game is a shit <laughs> so uh, <laughs> like and uh so like you know I think it got a seven, but I feel like that's a seven for people who don't like Dragon Ball Z. Based on mm. what I've played so far, if you're a fan of like Dragon Ball Z, and um, it'll definitely maybe take away some of the uh, the criticisms or like the the slight gripes that somebody who's just coming into this as an action fan might um, not be able to overlook. Um, and I'm just loving it. Flying through the world as Goku. I can mount my Nimbus cloud if I want to. It has no reason. There's no reason why I should do it because you actually fly faster without it. But sometimes you just want to be on Nimbus and fly around the world. And so they just, they really deep into the lore and the fandom of Dragon Ball Z while actually making a good game. And so this is one of those ones that I definitely, when I first saw it, I was like, ah, like not really my style of game, but I see they're trying. But now that I like sat down and played it, I'm, I'm definitely happy that i gave this game a shot and so yeah gonna keep playing that um played a little bit of overwatch only got in like four matches but you know i've been seeing the texts <laughs> seeing the comments and everything and it's like i need to just i'm done with diablo now i can like play a little more freely i got this dragon ball z going let me just hop on overwatch and just see what's going on so i got in a couple of matches with lucio first match was a little rough second match was amazing third match was right back to god tier um (laughs) like right when you start getting like first it's like okay like i'm i'm kind of getting the swing of things then it's like all right we got the win i got some good healing then the third match it's like now i'm timing my heels right getting my ultimate off right i'm getting the the saves and the assists and all that stuff that like takes you to the next level as like a support player so that was like all right I'm, i'm feeling good so now Hopefully, yeah. If our schedules line up, I'll be able to hop on with you and E single every now and then. Get a get a Overwatch Overwatch match in because I want to see what there's, there's a new got a new support character that I missed out on. Got a new tank character that you're playing. So there, there you got some some updates as you said to other characters. So I'm I think it's a good time to hop back in and play a little bit of over uh, Overwatch and and get these uh you know these these hero masteries or whatever. That It'll they be also very have. interesting to see what you think of of the new Roadhog. Because I'm, I'm all, I'm seeing it happen in real time, and I already know where things are going. Like with with Roadhog just being more aggressive and in the front, him and Sombra are the most deadly combination I've ever seen in my life. It makes absolutely no sense because you're in the front fighting the Roadhog. Next thing you know, you get hacked from the side and you're getting shot at. You turn to deal with the Sombra. Roadhog hooks you, shoots you in the back. <laughs> it's yeah. just like ah. God, I gotta deal with this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, let's get into these topics of the week. It's been two weeks. You know, it's funny, it's like last week when we uh when, when I was just looking at it and I was like, ah, you know, there's this big announcement for this big game that people have been waiting for. Yep. Um, but that's you know, it's a lot of speculation. We got some teasers for you know mass effect so there's a lot of speculation there now i'll have to discuss like maybe we'll just hold off for a week i like we got some other stuff going on that i need to take care of and then, a lot of announcements and teasers but nothing substantive yeah and then a week <laughs> not later, yet anyway 
Yeah, but then a week later, and it's just all the news. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, like it is so much that we need to get into this so that we can just try to hit as much of the news as possible. So, hey, Dove, where do you want to lead off with the first topic of the week? Top topic, topic of, of the, the week. week? Oh, man. Let me see if I can find it. Where'd it go? I mean, I, I'm just going to start with the big one because it's brief since there's not a lot going on. But basically, after long last and probably the wildest community speculation along the way that I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. It's even to the point where one person online was looking at like promotions for the online component of the game. Like, well, they're showing the moon and like the moon in this phase typically falls on this date. So it's kind of their way of saying that they're going to make an announcement on that day. And it didn't happen, but we finally got confirmation for the elephant in the room, the 800-pound gorilla. We finally got the heavy hitter, the the just the showstopper, the, the one that sucks all the oxygen out of the space. Grand Theft Auto 6 has been confirmed. Well, actually, interesting there, and I'll I'll read and I'll I'll let you know why this is interesting. Let me see if I can find. The actual, the actual note here. See, well, I can't find the exact word, but basically, Rockstar had put out a tweet, and they made it they made it known to the world that hey, in December, we're going to be showing off a trailer for the next Grand Theft Auto. So somebody online pointed it out to me and they said it's it's interesting that they didn't call it Grand Theft Auto 6. They said the next Grand Theft Auto. So that that can mean anything because mm-hmm. anything can mean anything. You know, maybe when they wrote it up they weren't thinking like, hey, you know, people will look into this. <laughs> you know, it's it could mean anything. Hey, I I was listening to some podcasts and there was some speculation that perhaps maybe it won't be called Grand Theft Auto 6. Maybe they'll just call it Grand Theft Auto and it serves as like a, a foundation for the franchise going forward. I mean, that's that's the thing with announcements like this with a game this big is that speculation is going to run wild and now people <laughs> actually have something to base that speculation on. However, we have we have the security of being able to ignore all that bullshit because we can just wait until December when the trailer drops. We can see what the name of the game is. We can see what it's all about. We can see what it offers, how it's going to move, how it looks. <laughs> Doesn't look next gen. Looking at pre-alpha footage, get at it. Like, but it's it's finally out in the open. The next big game from Rockstar is going to be it's going to be coming this generation. AMC, is your Earth still in one piece after this Earth-shattering announcement? Yeah, um, yeah. This is why I totally didn't mind skipping an episode because it was it was literally people just trying, <laughs> just mm-hmm. like, like making like making guesses, um, yeah, and all that stuff. Everybody's like, trying to put their flag on what it might be. Yeah, and then there's also it's like the 
it, the, the thing that really gets me too is when they're like, well, they have to do this yeah. <laughs> like without, without knowing what they're, and you know, and that's, that's when people start setting up the expectations, like where they're just like, well, like if they don't, if they don't do this, then like it's, then, then they're going to be leaving money on the table or if they yada, 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 then they're going to be, yada. it was like, it's just, they know what they're doing. If you, if they told you in the past that their online GTA game was going to be the biggest thing ever you would have laughed in their face at the time and yeah. now now we're here at this world if they said if they were to if they were to today say that hey we're gonna make a live service gta game see now people wouldn't say anything but if they were to do it you know for the first time ever people would be like oh they're just jumping on the trend mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so yeah um is that, that all that all yeah. coming from because i remember when gta 5 came out and when gta online came out two weeks later and it was just an utter shit show because the game you couldn't connect characters getting deleted money was getting lost like, it was all over the, the place remember the, the stimulus <laughs> the, the stimulus i got that money <laughs> that was good but yeah like they and it's if anything the success of Grand Theft Auto Online shows the viability of live service games and yeah. also the ability of a studio to be able to take something that launched in an incredibly poor state and turn it all the way around into one of the most successful products ever. So mm-hmm. leaving money on the table, one of the <laughs> highest selling franchises, let alone one of the highest selling games of all time. Rockstar ain't leaving a penny on the table. Get out of here with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um yeah, it's it's one of those things I'm just looking forward to the trailer. Like we're finally gonna get to see at least what they have going on story wise. Like and that's also like the thing to set expectations for because people are just like they just assume we're gonna get everything. Mm-hmm. And this one trailer is like this could just be a complete story and introduction to the character trailer. Like they might not even go into detail as far as like like I, I actually almost guarantee that they're not gonna go too much into detail as far as like what we can expect of everything that this game is going to have to offer. But people are going to look into it as like, a, this is, this is it. They're going to lay out all the information. And then when that doesn't happen, they'll inevitably get disappointed once again. Um, or they're going to assume- when they, when they show the, the GTA five announcement trailer, it was just a brief montage of, of things in the game with the, the title. Like it wasn't substantive at all. Yeah. So to, I'm not going to expect them to do like a 20 minute info blowout on the thing. Like, <laughs> if we're just going by history and what Rockstar does, we'll probably just get a very short trailer giving us a very, a very brief but informative look at what the game looks like, who the main players are, and where where it takes place. Probably mm-hmm. some hints at mechanics, vehicles, and things. And and that's it. And you know what? That's more than enough for me because I'm going to be combing over that trailer frame by frame, extracting every little detail I can to get a better understanding of what to expect. Yeah. So I'm I'm super excited. Um, can't wait to see what it has to offer. And yeah, it's going to be. Oh, I you can just feel the developer, the publishers, and the developers like are, are already like just looking at next fall and just being like, all right, so. Uh, can we get this out a little bit earlier? <laughs> Can we like not not even knowing if G, if of GTA will be coming out next fall? But they're already like tentatively like getting ready to move their games out of the way of GTA. <laughs> so, should, should we start a pool or <laughs> take a bet or maybe like have an online thing where we buy someone a game, get try to try to guess how many games get out of the way of GTA? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I mean, it's it's great. I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad that they um came right out and said it um and acknowledged it. So yeah, once again, you can get people to kind of shut up until we see this trailer, I do. Do you have any speculation to offer? Any hopes for what we might see or what the game might have? I mean, the big thing for me is I want to see um what they're gonna do with you know their first female protagonist mm-hmm. and um and then also to see you know it's we're control issues I'm, I'm curious to see how people react to it <laughs> <laughs> you know it's gonna be all over the spectrum yeah uh, well i mean i have i have a couple hopes because and you touched on it the female protagonist angle because I don't think that's been confirmed at all. And I I sincerely hope that they have a female protagonist, whether it's just her or she's one of multiple that we switch between. It would be nice if they brought back the multiple protagonist angle, even if they scaled it back to maybe just two instead of three. Like GTA 5, I felt like three wasn't really necessary. They were all cool. They were all well done, but I felt like it, it could have been cool to like maybe have the person who who's living like the high life and has it all and then have the person that's from the streets and is trying to be on the come up and have those two angles going at odds with each other or intermingling. Um, insofar, insofar as what I hope for the game, I hope that Rockstar isn't going to subject us to following along with this game along the one year final polish process that they do because it seems like with the past couple of Grand Theft Autos that's exactly what they did they announced the game like a year in advance and it's just a feeding frenzy for every bit of news along the way making the wait as excruciating as possible I would be I would be very happy and very excited if Rockstar gave us a release date anywhere from like six months or less away from the actual release of the game. Like if GTA was coming out in like June next year, holy shit, that would be out of control. But you know, we have to also keep in mind too, it is Rockstar, so whatever date that they get, like let's you know. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> it, we might not be getting it until a year later. So. Yeah, it, it's written in sand and, <laughs> and the tides of it. <laughs> so we'll see if it doesn't get washed away. But again, that and that's another thing. Hopefully they've also learned from their development process in the past and they've gotten all that under control. It will just be it would be very nice if we could get back to the days when we got a release date and then we got the game on that release date. But I was thinking of myself about a week ago on November 11th, like one year ago today is when we could have been playing Starfield. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, at the same token, it also would have been likely in a much less technically sound state. Uh, Bethesda put out one of their cleanest, most technically sound games ever, even though it still has bugs and issues, but far less and far less substantial. So Rockstar... If you're listening, just ease the pain just a little bit. Don't make us wait that long. I, I hope that I hope that all this time that we've been waiting means that they've been finishing the game along this time in order to give us a shorter announcement to release window. Yes. Um, yeah, I totally agree. 
Uh, I want to get into the next topic of the week. Top, topic, topic of, of the, the week. week. So let's get right into the big one. Um, I want to make sure we give it plenty of time because there's yeah. so many, there's so many categories, <laughs> there's so many, so many like narratives to discuss within Ugh. within what was what's in there, what's not in there, and you know, there's just one of those years. We we knew it was going to be this after we just. It's one of it's the it's the gift and the curse of having an awesome year in gaming is that there are so many good games that you know just not every game can be officially acknowledged even if like it, it sold well yada, yada yada critically it might just not might not be sitting there with an award at the end of the day but we we know that you did good in a year <laughs> that was just stacked full of just banger after banger after banger so i want to give plenty of time for this so we got the game award we got the game award nominees which you know always brings its you know its level of <laughs> criticism and, and discussion and dialogue um which, which I'll, I'll, annual discussion yeah which i i am here for so i figure we could there's so many different categories to discuss i figure we can just run through them category at least ones that we're interested in um uh and, and that will bring up a lot of discussion, especially when it comes to our eventual game of the year. And so, uh, you know, I can I can lead off. Let's start with best. You know, we'll go best RPG of the mm. year. Got the list in front of me. Go right to it because we got we got a lot of RPGs that came out this year. Uh, yes, they describe it for the best game design with rich player character customization and progression, including massively multiplayer experiences. Oh, MMOs. Oh. Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. So we got in here. We got Boulder's Gate three. No of surprise. Course. No surprise. You got Barrisex. You got all uh, the classes. You got, you you got, got tactical turn base. You got cinematics. You got you got forty million ways that you can complete the game <laughs> with a different ending. You got uh, Shadow Heart. <laughs> let's see. Um, do you want to? Did you want to get that quick uh, news dump for Boulder's Gate as far as the Game Awards in here? Or you want to save that for later? Let me see what's going on. I'll run through the other games in the category. Um, let's see. Final Fantasy uh, 16, also on the list. I was about to say 14. Uh, Final Fantasy 16. We got Liza P. Mm -hmm. um, we got Sea of Stars, that that new old game. Yes, and yes. we got we got a game that AW just beat. We got Starfield. Yes, we category. Do. So yeah, Boulder's Gate three, Final Fantasy sixteen, Liza P, Sea of Stars, and Starfield. Very solid grouping there of RPGs. I'm trying to think, is it would there be anything that wasn't here that <laughs> that people would be upset about not being on this list? Um, you know, so I don't think anybody is yeah. upset about it. Like, yeah, I think everybody's okay with the best RPG category. Yeah, pretty solid. Um, I mean, from your perspective, um, just on the outside, you played Starfield. Uh, there's obviously Boulder's Gate three, Final Fantasy sixteen, which uh, you know, some people it felt like it wasn't a traditional. It wasn't uh, an RPG. It was a square set. It was a good Final Fantasy game, but it wasn't a Final Fantasy game. Um, Get out of here. And then you got Liza P and Sea of Stars, which I know Sea of Stars was a game that a lot of people were. Highly anticipating. It just came out during a time when a lot of other games came out, but people did say a lot of great things about Sea of Stars. So nice to see it here. Uh, would you, could you call at least who you think is going to win this RPG category? I mean, I'd be a fool not to put my money on Baldur's Gate 3. Okay. But would it, would it be? It's, it's, like, like, betting it's, it's like betting against Mayweather. 
would it be a snub <laughs> if Starfield beat it in best RPG? I think that we would never hear the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> from everybody else except for xbox fans or from xbox fans saying har 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 we beat well, I mean, we beat Baldur's well, gate <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a lot of that but i mean just just considering how how the rest of the nominations are we'll get into the other categories especially the, the overall category but for for Baldur's gate three to be beaten by a game that doesn't appear in another key category that would be quite an inconsistency in my opinion okay um what's the uh the next one that you got a dove that, that comes next, to... well since we're on the subject of Baldur's gate three i guess oh, yes, quick yes. hits out the way so a little news there we got an announcement from larry and that on top of them figuring out their optimization issues for the series s which yeah inadvertently is going to enhance the quality oh. of the ps5 and the pc and the series x oh, version hey. how about that yeah. we yeah. also got an announcement from them that we're going to get the announcement of the december release date oh. for Baldur's gate 3 on yeah. xbox at the oh, game awards your boy a dub putting on his speculation hat i think oh. we're gonna get an available now announcement oh yeah. but I could be wrong. I've been wrong in the past. I will gladly eat my L with a side of fries any day. However, I, I think it's a strong chance. I it's, it's just the way I just know the way Larian operates. It, it's too big of an event to be like, yeah, Baldur's Gate 3 coming out in two weeks. I don't think so. Well, at the same token, it would be a nice Christmas gift for it to come out like around Christmas time. But the if they hit you with that available now, like people People will stop watching the awards to go by Baldur's Gate. But yeah, we're finally getting that Xbox version. People can finally stop calling it a PS5 exclusive. We can get on with that. You know, we're going to get that December release date. So everybody's going to be on the same playing field. And in addition, we also got an announcement that there's going to be a physical edition coming out in early 2024. For how much they did. For how much that is the key. So first, <laughs> before I tell you how much they want you to pay for it, I'm going to tell you what they're giving to you on the inside. So in addition to an oversized exclusive game box and all existing digital deluxe content, the physical deluxe edition will also include the following. An original soundtrack on three CDs, because, you know, we, we still have CD players. Uh, a cloth world map. Two okay. fabric patches, oh, wow. 32 stickers. Oh, so many stickers. Two and two thirds dozen stickers. Oh, and gosh. a Baldur's Gate 3 art poster. Oh, my all, God. Oh, no, the art, too. The art, too. Oh, so, all, all this, all these pack ins with, with your discs, so you yeah. can feel like you own something and you yeah. can sell it when you're done. <laughs> yeah, okay. All coming to you yeah. for the, the very very steep low price steep. <laughs> <laughs> very low low price i believe it's only 79.99 oh it's, it's almost like 80 bucks either yeah it's like 80 bucks so <laughs> 
for the price of a new game and what would otherwise be a digital upgrade for others. And and for games preservation. Yeah, games (laughs) preservation. For the price of a new game and 10 extra bucks, you can get all that and your physical edition. Uh, The PS5 version is going to be on two discs. The Xbox version will be on three discs. And the PC version will have a custom installer and it'll come with a Steam key. And you can so, share that Boulder's Gate will exist in perpetuity. <laughs> forever. <laughs> so, yeah, man. As someone who probably won't be getting to this game anytime soon, I am more than likely going to be snapping on this this deluxe edition. AMC, you think this is going to find its way into yeah, your your collection? <laughs> or are you just going to go digital when you get yeah, around to yeah. it? When I get around to it, it's going to be all digital. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because how did you... Yeah. yeah, now that now that you mention it, I mean the prospect of oh, first of all, I only dealing have, with I, ha- I have I have a discless PlayStation. So oh yeah, that's a good point. That, that's already decided. You don't want to you don't get it just for the love of the game. I I had already <laughs> <laughs> I had already decided that none of this was going to matter to me at all. Um, so yeah, it's uh, but I'm happy that they that they did put this out there. But yeah, you know, I, I was leaning heavily toward getting it, but now that I'm really thinking about this two disc situation, I don't think I want to deal with that drama. So I'm starting to lean back toward the digital. But for all you physical, physical elitists and preservationists, Larry's got you covered. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's see what we got in these next categories. Um, all right. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll we'll get to that next category. <laughs> All right, what you got, Adele, for the next category? Oh, I got you. I'm going to hit you with one that, that is of keen interest to you and your situation, AMC. I'm going <laughs> to talk about the nominees for Best Family Game. Oh, let's see. Yeah, I'm not games for impact. Yeah, let's yeah. take care of that. I'm going <laughs> to hit you with Best Family Game. So this is for the best game appropriate for family play, irrespective of genre or platform. The nominees are Disney Illusion Island. Mm. Party Animals. Okay. Pikmin 4. Oh, shit. Sonic Superstars. Uh-huh. And the heavy hitter, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Oh. Oh. Interesting. Nintendo <laughs> showing up, showing up big this year. Got two games to run in. Yeah. Sonic Superstar is getting some love. Party Animals getting some love. I don't know what the hell Disney Illusion Island is, but it's getting some love. I think that was the one where it's like, I think you play as uh, like, I think Mickey Mouse. I think Goofy's in it. It was one of those games that I remember seeing it and I was like, oh, this is like, like, it's not a game that I'll probably get, but it's a, a game when like that I was interested in. It was like in one of the directs as far as like, oh, this actually looks interesting as far as like a multiplayer game. Awesome. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I remember it didn't look bad. I'm glad I'm glad to see that it got nominated. I mean, it wasn't a bad game. <laughs> mm-hmm. or, yeah. or maybe there just wasn't much competition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But yeah. Um, I mean, just from my perspective, I think Super Mario Brothers Wonder is the front runner in that category. Although I've been hearing some good things about Pikmin 4, sees that the people that play it think it's an outstanding game. I've heard nothing but praise for it. Uh, Sonic Superstars, I've heard some criticisms. Uh, one of them yeah. being particularly interesting uh, that it doesn't feel fast enough. So okay. that's not a criticism that you want to have in a game about a character who is very fast. Uh, AMC, how do you feel about this running? 
I mean, I, I feel like it's gonna be Super Mario Wonder. This is a a shoe in, but I don't know. Maybe it's a go. I Pikmin apparently seems like a big. I think you got like a nine out of ten, so that's a good game. Um, and then yeah, you got some other interesting games in there. But I, I as playing Mario Wonder, it's a phenomenal family game. I'll say at least mm-hmm. a phenomenal co op game, and I can see it being great for the family. Theo checked it out. Unless <laughs> he was having it, didn't want. It was a good thing. It was like I, my worry is him. I want him to see us play a game before, you know, you hand off them sticks just so he can maybe get a little bit of the rub off of like how to properly conduct yourself while playing a video game. Yeah, I wish we did that with uh, my nephew because, man, as soon as he don't get them stars, <laughs> that little fist start balling. <laughs> that Arthur fist. <laughs> that Arthur fist. Like, there have been multiple occasions where like he, he'll get two out of three stars in a mobile game. And he'll he'll gently slam his fist on the phone because he knows <laughs> he knows that he can't break it, but he still wants to exert some kind of some kind of aggression. Yeah. <laughs> with his frustration. It's like, dang, we could have we could have got to him <laughs> a lot earlier. Because me and my brother are like, you see this shit? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he grows up to be a content creator. Yeah, exactly. Make make <laughs> uh, millions. <laughs> make millions. Get mad at everything. But no, not to shit on content creators. There are some very good ones out there, and they deserve the praise and respect for what they do. It's a lot of hard work. But yeah, man, it's yeah, Super Mario, that that's yeah, I don't know. Like that's it seems like the shoe in to me personally, especially just with the deep love I have for Pikmin going all the way back to the original on GameCube. I see that as the more, the more family friendly, family oriented game. It just has that, that aura and that atmosphere about it. Whereas Mario is, it's, it is like a family game. You can play with your family, but it's, it still feels like it's, it's geared toward an audience that's not a family. If that makes sense, like I can't find the right words for it, but it just seems like Pikmin is more oriented toward being a family thing than a Super Mario. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, next category. Well, what you got next? <laughs> we got best independent game a dub for for outstanding creative and technical achievement in a game made outside the traditional publisher system. Mm-hmm. Not, not taking that cash. <laughs> Let's see. Um, it's this actually a strong, a strong lineup. Yeah, exactly. Um, and one of these games I, I have to play. I mean, I have to play two of them for sure. But yeah, this is a strong line. So we got Cocoon on here. Mm-hmm. We got Day of the Diver. This is that. That's a game that's like a. I, like, I hear people say, like, great game just in a year where there's so much going on, so not getting enough discussion. Um, Dredge, great game. I believe yeah, you played that. You, you, you have I it. absolutely love it. Yeah. Uh, sea of Stars, obviously, we just talked about that in the RPG category. So this may be a, a place where, you know, it's going against heavy hitters like Boulder's Gate and Starfield. So mm-hmm. maybe it has a better opportunity within the independent game category. And in the last one being Viewfinder. Um, so a dub, uh, do you have, I mean, did you play any of the, oh, you played dredge? Um, I guess make it played, played the hell out of dredge. Didn't make it to the end. I, I mean, it's, it's incredibly unique. You play as a boat. <laughs> I mean, come on. And you, and you fish and it's, it's, 
so much more than that though because it has like a horror angle to it once night falls but you don't want to be out on the seas at night you start hallucinating if you don't go to sleep <laughs> you start seeing sea monsters and things you catch it and it's like it's you could describe it as a fishing game but that just scratches the surface because the fishing is just a means to an end in order for you to get the money necessary to repair and upgrade your ship in order to go out further, explore more and catch better fish, bigger fish. But at the same token, you're also solving puzzles. You're, you're going on side quests for people at the different ports. You're, you're unraveling mysteries and like there, there's a whole lot more to dredge than what it seems on the surface. I believe dredge is also getting some DLC pretty soon. That's going to add to the experience. And I, I think it's a game that everybody should at least give a shot. It's just such an awesome creative product. Um, sea of stars. I own it. I haven't played it. I backed it on Kickstarter. So I was privy to information about the game over the course of its development. I, I've watched the reviews. I've listened to people who have played the game and, by and large, it seems like it really just stuck the landing with what it attempted to do. Cocoon, I've heard excellent things about it. It's apparently a short game. It's very beautiful, incredibly creative and innovative with the concept of, of worlds within worlds and using those worlds to solve puzzles in the outer worlds and then taking those into the world to then solve other... Crazy. So that's definitely a game I'm going to want to get my hands on at some point. Honestly, I feel Dave the Diver might have the edge here because of all the games on this list, Dave the Diver seems to be the most robust offering. It's doing a lot of things similar to Dredge where you play as the owner of a sushi shop that fishes for his product to then prepare and serve to his customers. So you're going in the water, you're fishing, but you got this 2D side scrolling aspect of it, beautifully animated pixel art, tons of fish to catch, tons of challenges, secrets. And then you go back, you're, you're cutting it up, you're serving it up, you're getting your money, you're getting your reviews, you're making people, you're getting more customers coming to your restaurant. And it's just, it feeds that loop and it's doing so with a lot of fun gameplay mechanics. So I think that's the most robust offering and probably one of the more well done ones. So we'll see how that plays out. If I had to put my money on it, I would say either Dave the Diver or Sea of Stars. If you find her, I don't know anything about. Uh, this is the first time I'm hearing about it, unfortunately. So maybe I'll check it out. Uh, AMC, how do you feel about this run? Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's, I mean, I, I haven't played any of them, so to even have a strong opinion about any of them would be completely like just false. But um, just based on, you know, d discussion, Sea of Stars is just a game that I've just heard a lot of people bring up. And so that would that would give that game the edge as far as, you know, just, um, you know, dialogue and, mm -hmm. you know, just what's like kind of has like, you know, a little more fanfare around it. Um, but I have heard, yeah, a lot of great things about Day of the Diver. The first time I saw a like just a full-on gameplay trailer of Day of the Diver, I was I immediately wrote it down as a game that I need to buy eventually. Um, just yeah, like as you said, gameplay mechanics, but it's just like, yeah, just game like mini game on mini game on mini game <laughs> as far as all the different Return aspects of the of mini it. game. 
yeah just so many different aspects of like um that come into play uh from for that game when it that comes to i guess from from farm to table <laughs> if you yeah. will and so uh i love that and yeah just the the pixel animation looks great um so yeah i i wouldn't especially with independent category i'm never upset with any of the games that win because you know it's it's a it's a feel good category for one, and they're always usually a bunch of bangers. Um, and so yeah, um, whatever wins, I think it's just a great boon or boost to that um, to that developer. Um, the Sea of Stars developer, obviously, like they got in the bag from Microsoft and Sony <laughs> prior mm-hmm. to prior to release. So at least they were already on radar. And you said you had kickstarted it. Yeah, man, kickstarted bag. Yeah. And so they <laughs> they were they they did a good job of marketing their game beforehand, which would explain why so many people were aware of it. Um, and it's got a lot of things going for it. It's it, it's inspired heavily by Chrono Trigger, even to the extent of having the original composer from Chrono Trigger doing the music for the game. Yeah. And it just and it looks like it's it's just doing a lot of like things that are are new also that like you see in like modern day takes on retro RPGs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this just to see who wins, but obviously as more of an uh as I mentioned, a feel-good way. Uh so yeah, awesome. I'm a, I'm a sucker for games where you're in business for yourself. Yeah. Like Dave the Diver and Dredge conjure memories of, of Moonlighter for me. Moonlighter was a game where you have a shop and you you fill it you fill your inventory with items that you find by delving into dungeons. So you know you go into dungeons, you get your treasure, you come back, you put it in the display cases, you you open the shop for the day. The customers go in, you, you negotiate the prices. Uh, people come in and try to steal shit, and you got you got to catch them before they get out the door. Mm-hmm. It's great, it's great stuff. But with Dave the Diver, you're running that restaurant. You're you're going into the sea, scuba diving, getting. Catching, catching all your, your delicacies and preparing them, serving them up to customers. Dredge, your you gotta finance your ship, your your fishing expedition. So you gotta go out, you gotta fish, you gotta come back into the port, you gotta sell it all, fix your gear, repeat, do it again. So that yeah, man. As I I would love the big budget games also embrace those kind of mechanics. Like you know, the open world games are kind of there. The the RPGs are kind of there where you have your in-game economy and everything, but you don't really have much responsibility because there's very little upkeep or maintenance that you have to do with your character and their personal life. I I would, I would really like it if people, people get get mad if you actually do that stuff. (laughs) Why do I have to go to to the settlement and talk to these people as we play the game? (laughs) Yeah, they, they, they can go. They can go sit down. I would very much <laughs> like I'd like a GTA or a Grand Theft Auto. Like imagine GTA if you have all the all the business and real estate purchases, but then you have to run the business. <laughs> that would be that would be like you come in and your dudes like yeah we're like uh, we're losing money. It's like what we got to figure this out. Go eliminate some competition. Go go make our stuff more competitive. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I digress. That's just a little personal aside. Yeah. Well, so didn't you say like um wasn't like Chinatown Wars was kind of like that? Like Chinatown it, Wars is it, yeah. the it's the best mechanic ever introduced to the Grand Theft Auto franchise just left to die on a handheld. <laughs> like, dude, um, you're, uh, you are a truck dealer. You have a duffel bag. 
filled with drugs that you were going around town selling to all the people who need it, evading the cops, and just being in business for yourself. You got to get the money back. (laughs) (laughs) And that's another thing I want. Like, if you're doing the illegal stuff and you're working in cash, give me a safe or give me some kind of situation where I have to get that money somewhere. One game did that extremely well. Scarface on PS2. You had to you had to go you had to go offshore, you had to go to the island, you had to do the drug deal, you had to get the drugs back to the coast, then you had to distribute the drugs to all of your fronts so then they could then sell the drugs, get you your money, and then you could buy a new car. That was awesome. <laughs> we need more of that. But yeah, right. let's let's get to the next category. I'm gonna do one more one more category and then Let's try to get to the big ones. Yeah. Just being me, being who I am, I got to hit this one if I can find it. Best sports racing game. So for the for the best traditional and non-traditional sports and racing game, uh, the nominees are EA Sports FC 24, formerly FIFA, uh, F123, Forza Motorsport, Hot Wheels Unleashed 2, Turbocharged, and the crew Moto Fest. So I've only played one game on this list, which is Forza Motorsport. So my bias is clear. Uh, Forza Motorsport was a very solid offering and a, a sound reboot of the Forza Motorsport franchise. You know, I like what they're doing with the car PG mechanics, where instead of you just getting money and kitting out your car willy nilly and going out there and cutting up the track, instead you actually have to put in the time and the work to get used to the car, to level the car up, to unlock your upgrades, to build up the car points necessary to buy the unlocked upgrades that then let you perform better and do better in races. Um, it also addresses an issue that people had with Gran Turismo 7, which was that uh, you start on a grid. And in addition to that, you can choose your placement in the starting grid, which determines not only your likelihood of coming in a particular place, but also the amount of money you get for finishing the race. Um, Another issue that it addresses that I personally have with Gran Turismo 7 is that it gives you a separate option of whether or not to enable tire wear and fuel consumption. Uh, Where Gran Turismo 7, once you get to the, the tougher, more valuable races, that stuff is just there. No bargaining. With Forza Motorsport, if you don't want to have it, you don't want to have it. You can turn up your difficulty and all your all your driving assists independently of that. And yeah, I think that was pretty cool. Um, Hot Wheels Unleashed 2. I, I remember the original was received very well. So I imagine that the sequel was as well. I don't hear anybody talking about it. Uh, the Crew Moto Fest, the one person I know that plays the crew seems to enjoy it, thinks that they've done a good job with it. Uh, I The people I know that play... EA Sports FC or formerly FIFA haven't said anything about it, so I don't know. And F1 is F1. I can't really say anything for or against it, but people love F1. These games do good all the time. So I imagine that it's also a solid contender. If I had to call it, I would say personally, the race might be between, no pun intended, F1 and Forza Motorsport, AMC. Do you have any personal feelings attached to this category or its nominees? Uh, no, not at all. I, I feel like this is uh, 
this is set up for Forza to win. I feel like this is the Forza category, uh, but we'll, we'll see. Um, who knows if we'll be surprised at you all. Don't, you don't think there'll be any bias? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, what we'll you see. you got in the next category? Uh, all right, we're going to move up. Um, we're getting closer to five now. So I'm going to just jump right to, we can do, we do best narrative and then we could decide if you want to do game of the year next right after that. Yeah, See, best narrative. To that game of the year. Yeah. Best narrative for outstanding storytelling, narrative development in a game. Uh, we got Alan Wake 3, Boulder's Gate 3, Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty, Final Fantasy 16, and Marvel Spider-Man 2. So mm. interesting. I mean, this is best story. So this is a very interesting category. We know Alan Wake is known for, you know, at least Remedy is known for its great storytelling. We know the epics that Final Fantasy, the tales that they have, the weave. We've all heard about the greatness of Cyberpoint 2077 and Idris Elba. And some of us have experienced it. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Baldur's Gate 3, I mean, enough said. And then Spider-Man 2 coming in coming in hot, jumping into his best narrative category. So, A-Dub, what do you think about this? Ca- the nominees? And do you think that there is a, you know, a heavy favorite within this one? Oh, it's absolutely a heavy favorite, which would be Baldur's Gate. However, over, over Alan Wake 2, people are liking Alan Wake 2. Baldur's Gate got 200 hours of cinematics just for the sex scenes. But we're talking about we're talking about narrative. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm talking about sex. <laughs> 200 hours, 20 hours, something like that. Something yeah. crazy. But I mean, it, it tells a robust story. And Baldur's Gate 3 is interesting in that you can create your own character and experience the story that way. You can also play as the NPCs and not only experience the story from their perspective, but also get deeper insights into aspects of their personal stories that you wouldn't get if they were just your companions. And then on top of that, you also have the dark urge play where you just have these evil thoughts and you have these choices on whether or not to act on them. So that's another <laughs> perspective you could play from, you know, it's got various classes and subclasses all over the place that probably populate a bunch of flavor texts and different kinds of options. I mean, you, you have the option of playing with other people and having them chime in and put in their own input on certain decisions and dialogue choices. So there's, there's a lot of narrative-oriented freedom with Baldur's Gate 3, which is why I would see it as the front runner. Um, Alan Wake 2, of course, it's being celebrated immensely for what it's been doing. I haven't experienced it yet, but people are saying that this is Remedy's best work, especially in regards to story and presentation. So that has me extremely excited to eventually get into that, hopefully before the end of the year, so it'll be in time for the trolleys. Uh, but I think Final Fantasy 16 might be able to have the edge here because what it has going on with it is like, um, what is it? It's, it's like the live lore or live narrative or something or other where as you're playing the game, there's this lore module that's continually updated with the names of people, their significance to each other, events, locations and things. So if you ever get lost or have questions, you can always reference that module to get uh, you know a better picture 
of exactly what's going on in the game and how everything fits together. Uh, the only game that ever did anything like that in my memory was Metal Gear Solid 4, where it had a separate a separate app that you could put on your PlayStation that had just all the Metal Gear lore in it. And the interesting thing it did with that is that depending on where you were in Metal Gear Solid 4, it, certain information would be redacted or unredacted so as not to spoil anything for you and also give you some incentive to move forward. In addition to that, as you unlocked information and read it in that game, you would unlock content that would be available, like different kinds of camouflage and such for your for your active camouflage suit. So with Final Fantasy 16 doing something of that nature, that's something that is completely different from how other games go about presenting their narrative, which is why I think it might be able to edge out Baldur's Gate 3 just on innovation. How do you feel, AMC? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough one. I feel like any of these could win. I feel like the edge right now would be for Alan Wake, um, in that it, like Baldur's Gate, like as you're saying, like it has like you heard so much about the narrative choices, and that mm-hmm. definitely that definitely is something that like people talked about a lot, but I didn't hear a lot about necessarily the story of Baldur's Gate. Like um everything point. like a lot of like I hear about is a lot of the uh, the fact that you do have choice is like awesome. Um and the fact like and just the uh the gameplay in itself, like a lot of I hear a lot about that, but not necessarily a game where I heard a lot about story. Like even Starfield, like I would hear about like and maybe it's because the fact that I'm listening to Xbox podcasts, which is definitely could impact that. Mm-hmm. But um they went into like a lot of like the story as far as like the different side quests and the uh the faction missions, and which I didn't hear that from Boulders Gate, that in-depth of a breakdown as far as like um plot points within a storyline that like were kind of blowing people's minds. So that would be the only thing. But um I do hear what you're saying from a technical standpoint, some of the things that they're able to do with Boulders Gate and like just that attention to detail, especially from a from a D perspective, as far as building out your story and the different routes it can go. Um definitely that's definitely something to to note and could definitely could weigh, you know, could impact the decision making. But just from what I've seen from Alan Wake and heard from it uh if there is a category that it has a strong chance and i feel like it's in this one just because it's just the way that it's delivered and then also maybe i'm taking i'm also taking into account history from what i've seen from my control and other games um it just seems like remedy knows how to really weave and tell a story to make it feel like like a true cinematic experience within a video game world whereas other games feel like you know they feel like a straight up movie game like this is the one that gets like the closest to actually like doing it in an artful way that mm-hmm. is like um just just very unique to them and so that yeah, would, that the would artistry of remedy is unmatched yeah yeah um so yeah i i feel like they have a strong chance in this category but once again as like with the independent one wouldn't be surprised if any of these others win maybe spider-man <laughs> just because i haven't i have another game i haven't really heard people saying about. good things they, yeah, they yeah. like they like the twist they like how craven how Craven's story was told and how he was represented in the game. Like I'm, it's you it's seldom you seldom hear people have positive remarks about the storytelling in Sony first party games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how that goes, but people yeah. are over the moon about Spider-Man. However, they're not calling it Final Fantasy of Thrones for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. 
yeah, I don't know. I, I would. I would. This is one of those categories where I would take. I would take the wild bet and put it on Final Fantasy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You might get a. You might get good money on it. Oh, mm-hmm. it like? <laughs> good odds. Um, yeah, good odds on it. So um, let's I let's get in, let's get into um, let's get into the the best game of the year, if you don't mind. Yes. Um, you wanna you wanna run through this? <laughs> yes. So game of the year, recognizing the game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields. The nominees are Alan Wake Two. Mm-hmm. Baldur's Gate 3, mm-hmm. Marvel Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. Resident Evil 4 Remake, oh. Super Mario Brothers Wonder, Damn. and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Got two Nintendo games on there. Nintendo showing up big yeah. <laughs> with their with their tentpole franchises without fail. It's crazy. Got a Sony first party in there. Got some third parties. Got a remake. <laughs> so, I mean, been saying it since 2022. Like 2023 is absolutely stacked. And this list of games proves it. Because while, number one, six slots in this rather than five. So they, they're trying to recognize as many games as they can. And even in doing so, several completely outstanding games not in the running i mean the likes of jedi survivor the likes of starfield the likes of um damn what was that other guy i mean remnant 2 mm-hmm. should be getting some kind of recognition somewhere you know there's just so many games yeah armor core 6 like i believe that that showed up in one of the subcategories but you know not in the game of the year not even though it was the best armor core ever made in my opinion um yeah, I mean, this is a solid running. Obviously, the the continuing narrative, one of which I would agree with, is that it's a slugfest between Baldur's Gate 3 and Tears of the Kingdom. I feel like Baldur's Gate has... I feel like just seeing when all the nominations for Baldur's Gate and just the narrative around it, it's it's got to get it. It's got to win it. <laughs> I hope it does. I really do. Because it, it deserves it. And I think I think that would set a very a very strong tone going forward if that's our if we're coming off the back of that as the best game of the year especially going into 2024 with so many more heavy hitters to come so yeah it's if i had to put money i would say Baldur's gate three i think all these games can make some reasonable claim to the top honor, a lot of people think it's a far gone conclusion that it's going to be Tears of the Kingdom. AMC, where do you stand? Uh, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be Boulder's Gate, but I also think this is one of those years where it doesn't matter. <laughs> like it's literally because I know that when we're going to have our game of the years, and Boulder's Gate isn't going to be on that <laughs> unless like you suddenly pick it up and run through it really quickly. Um, so yeah, like it's it's going to be whatever game. It's like I think there's the I guess the consensus, like we can all just agree, Bowser's Gate did some dope shit, and it needs to be acknowledged for everything that it did um, to be game of the year. But then, when people have their individual games of the year, it's not going to be Bowser's Gate. <laughs> so I think that's how that's how I'm viewing the Game Awards game of the year from that perspective. Like people are going to feel upset because their game wasn't on there, but that's totally fine because you could still say at the end of the year, 
you think Remnant was or Remnant was the game of the year, or you think that whatever uh, Armor Core was the game of the year, Super Mario Wonder, um, any of these other games, uh, Tears of the Kingdom, like you can make a strong case for that game being game of the year because it's if it's the game that you enjoyed the most and you vibed with, you could literally say that yeah, and you could say that most of these games were critically received well, other than you know a game that wasn't necessarily. You know, there's the seven for Starfield, but I, I still think like if people said that they honestly feel that Starfield should be game of the year, I would definitely think that they're making they could make a strong case for it. Um, and so I think it's just one of those years where Borders Gate 3 will likely win and that won't be an issue. But for people who have people shouldn't be outraged by mm-hmm. it winning because their favorite game didn't win i think it's yeah. one of those things it's gonna win but you can still make a strong case for your game and not be outraged that borders gate one yeah and all the hubbub about what got snubbed and what deserved to to be in the nominees and what what bias there is what no one has been able to do substantively and without an obvious slant involved is explain or demonstrate why any of the games that were nominated don't deserve to be on that list. Yeah. <laughs> so well, until for, anyone can do that, uh, well, uh, yeah, uh, except the one, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the remake. The, should, we, should, we, should we just quickly just do that real quick? <laughs> they just need to make a separate category for remakes. And granted, you know, it's not as if remakes come out enough for that category to be populated with games to actually compete. It, it to to me personally, it just doesn't seem fair to the other games because here are these developers making these brand new original projects, be it sequels or new IPs, and they have to contend with a game that came out like a decade or two ago that just has a not to diminish Resident Evil Four remake, <laughs> but just has a fresh coat of paint on it, probably some new content, probably some different structured stuff. I'm hearing excellent things about the game. People love it. And why shouldn't they? They loved it when it originally came out. And here it is again. But I, I just feel that's like that's cheating in a way to me. It's 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 like it's borderline <laughs> like it should just be best ongoing game. Like it'd be like kind of like Phantom, was it Phantom Liberty? There was like that whole discussion, like, should could could DLC get game of the year? And it's like, no, just throw that no. in, in <laughs> do that in throw that, throw all of that in the best ongoing game. It's exactly. Like, Which you, can, you can't you can't say Resident Evil 4 because it's and it's weird because I can almost respect it here then, but it would be weird also if it like I can respect it in the game of the year category if I disagree with it, but like it's it's weird it would be weird if it got nominated for like best narrative like but the game it's the same game <laughs> like <laughs> like how are you gonna how's it gonna win narrative two years in a row when it's the same game um and so exactly and then like, like <laughs> you open well then you also open yourself up to situations like with what naughty dog's doing where the last of us one comes out and the Last of Us Remaster comes out. And then the Last of Us Remake comes out. Yeah. And then now the Last of Us Two. I mean, this is new. It's a quick hit, but uh, we finally got confirmation that the remaster of the Last of Us Two is coming. So, so what is that going to be eligible for Game of the Year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. there there has to be a, a line somewhere, and it's not to take anything away from Capcom or to diminish Resident Evil Four. It's it's an outstanding game. It 
was an outstanding game, so it should still be an outstanding game, but it's a remake of an existing game. We've done that already. It had its chance, and it won. Like it, It's a game of the oh, a year award winner already. So that's that just compounds the the feeling of just cheating going on where it's like let's take a previous game of the year award winner and put it out again yeah that, that's that's not fair to the other developers in the other games yeah. but we got some folks yeah let's uh, take listen. a quick break and then we'll do these we'll do these other folks like, yeah. they, they come they're at the door <laughs> we're about to open up the velvet rope yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. So we, we got some folks with some opinions, but I just yeah. have one more thought about uh, yeah, yeah. before. Yeah. Or it's like it's like putting the other games up against a defending champion. And if that's gonna be the case, then I think Resident Evil 4's previous game of the year award should be removed if it doesn't win game of the year this time. <laughs> <laughs> Just a thought. Let us know your opinions. Control issues by the gmail.com. But we got troll of the week. Troll of the week. Troll of the week. Troll of the week. First troll says Cyberpunk 2077 in best ongoing game category, literally for just having patches and some DLC. Okay. Yeah, that's. Part of what an ongoing game is. Contrary to popular belief, an ongoing game isn't just a live service game. You know what else was an ongoing game that actually won the category in the past, probably more than once? No Man's Sky. You know what No Man's Sky isn't? A live service game. It is a game that was supported with patches and DLC, none of which came at the cost of the consumer. Cyberpunk 2077 supported with patches and DLC, including its tie-in with Edge Runners and the most recent Phantom of Liberty expansion, the 2.0 update, which overhauled several of the game's systems, adding in much desired and previously promised features. It's a substantially different game than it was three years ago and has just completely turned around its public perception. Definitely deserving of this category. Stop whining. Next <laughs> troll. Where is Starfield? Yeah. I, pay, I pay $30 to play extra early, so I expect a nomination for the best paid reviewed game of the generation. Paid review. Paid review. Paid for that seven, huh? Yeah. <laughs> pay, pay, paid for that low 80 on Metacritic. Okay, let's, fellas, I mean, it's probably going to be in the running in the trolleys, but we got to retire this notion that companies are paying for reviews. Nobody pays for those kind of reviews. <laughs> Starfield earned those reviews. And don't get me wrong, it sounds joking, but those reviews were very solid because, believe it or not, Starfield is a very solid game that delivers dozens upon dozens of hours of enjoyment, especially if you decide to enjoy it for what it is and not what you wanted it to be or what you think it should be. Temper your emotions. Next troll says... The age of Bethesda is over. The time of the CRPG has come. <laughs> uh, I highly doubt that because Elder Scrolls 6 is just going to destroy the world. Bethesda is far from over. If anything, all we've seen is that perhaps we've reached a point where the Bethesda formula, as we've come to know and appreciate it, 
maybe starting to feel a little dated. And, you know, that's just a normal part of growth and change within the industry and within people themselves. So maybe they'll take this feedback and pump that into Elder Scrolls 6, which is in very early development anyway. So they have very long time to figure out how they want to come back and hit us over the head with some of their tried and true goodness. Next troll says, not Starfield? I thought it was going to be the best game ever and win game of the year easily. Easily. Well, I don't think I ever said easily. However, personally, I always felt that if anything was going to have a chance at dethroning the heavy hitter that is Baldur's Gate 3, it would possibly be Starfield, depending on if it sticks to landing, which I've said several times in the past. And by and large, it did stick the landing, but, you know, it didn't land quite as far as we may have hoped. It did land pretty far. It landed pretty square. But, you know, Baldur's Gate 3 just brought a much stronger case to the gaming public, which is why it's on the list. And Starfield probably isn't. So, moving on to the next troll. Starfield is the game of the generation, and this shows how bitter ponies are over the fact that Phil is buying up the industry. Get used to it. Xbox owns Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Diablo, Doom, Call of Duty, and it's coming from Capcom, Square, FromSoft, Sega, and game. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, well, the buying spree doesn't seem to have panned out into getting the awards like some people have felt, and that's no fault of Microsoft or the studios that they have purchased at this point in time. What people need to come to understand is that 2023 was stacked with excellent games. And you can't honor them all, man. It's it's unfortunate. You know, Starfield could have made a better case for itself. Maybe the other games could have slipped up. But it seems like, by and large, developers really brought their A game this year. You know, some, some did slip. Others didn't. And the ones that didn't are the ones that populated the list. So get used to that. Next troll says, Final Fantasy 16 trying to be an action game just for it to get zero nominations in any action categories is pure comedy. Yeah. Well, I mean, having action-oriented combat doesn't mean something is trying to be an action game. It's just being different. We've known since the release of Final Fantasy VII, especially the Advent Children film, that Square has always been leaning in the direction of trying to go in a more action-oriented direction because they want their action to look like that movie and over the number of years that they've been working on it over the number of entries of final fantasies that they've been experimenting with and trying different mechanics they by and large achieved their goal because final fantasy 16's combat is damn near indistinguishable from the kind of combat you'd see in a movie like advent children which i probably need to go back and watch again because that was a phenomenal film next show says not even $80 billion spent in Bethesda and Blizzard's biggest games of the generation could propel Xbox to beat Sony and Nintendo. Xbox is just the epitome of losing. Mm -hmm. Or maybe there were just a lot of really great games this year and they shined a little bit brighter. It's not always negative. It's not like the games that Microsoft, Blizzard, Bethesda, and Activision brought to the table were bad, is that there was a lot of other very good games. Some things can be good, other things can be gooder. 
it's just <laughs> it's just the law of nature. That's just how things happen. When you have a year as stacked as this, which 2024 just might be as well, especially with that GTA 5 trailer coming. It's a tough race, man. Next troll says, these awards are rigged. Ponies will panic when Phil buys up every single developer behind the nominated games. I love how it, there's this recurring theme of Xbox may not have won, but they're just going to buy the competition. <laughs> it's like, you guys, money, clearly money doesn't solve all the problems or win awards. It's like at some point, Microsoft is going to have to settle with everything that they have and figure out how to squeeze the best out of it and take things to the next level uh, for for all the expanding and acquiring that microsoft has done they still have one lingering problem which i called out along this entire process of them making this rapid growth is that they still don't have a unified voice across their first party titles they have a bunch of things that they purchased that were formerly third party but there's nothing there's no unifying thread between all those studios where you know this is an xbox first party title for all the poo-pooing and whining that people do about sony first party games oh they're all the same they're all cinematic they're all the same camera angle and they're all this and that that's a unifying thread that's a that's that's a signature that's when you put this on you know you're looking at a Sony first-party game. You know that presentation. You know that level of quality. You know what to expect. You know you're getting your money's worth. Microsoft, once they figure out what that is for themselves, they will be uh, an absolute terror in the gaming industry with the amount of content that they could put out on an annual basis. But until then, they still got to get those kinks out of the system and figure it out. Next show says, where you at, Starfield? <laughs> and the last show says, what happened to Xbox fans? Game of the generation couldn't even get nominated. No Xbox first party exclusive ever nominated at the Game Awards. No wonder PS5 is outselling Xbox for one this year. I mean, uh, uh, say what you want, but Overall, Xbox now possesses one of the strongest portfolios of studios and titles in the entire gaming industry. They may not have done, they may not have taken the highest honor this year. They may not have shown up big in all the different categories this year, but you know what? They did show up. Starfield did get nominated. Forza Motorsport did get nominated. High Five Rush did get nominated. And those are their three big drops of the year. So, it isn't as if the money was wasted. It isn't as if the titles were forgotten. It isn't as if they're going about not getting recognition. They're still showing up. It starts with nominations. Next thing you know, it goes to awards. Next thing you know, it goes to game of the year. So let's just wait and see what's in store for the future of Xbox instead of etching out their tombstones with broken troll fangs. AMC, you got anything for these fools? Nah, I got nothing. <laughs> it's uh it's a lot of the same shit. Um and you know, it was gonna happen because there was always 
leading up to it, there was so much discussion about like, well, what's going to be left out? And a lot of people saw that Starfield could definitely not make it in there. And that in itself was going to be its own discussion. Um, so, you know, it was going to take some lumps anyways, if it didn't get nominated. But as I said, what does it matter? Because, you know, there are not, all that really matters is for Xbox fans is that you had a game that everybody was, if, if even if Starfield wasn't the game of the year, it was the most talked about game of the year. And yeah. And then when it dropped, it was very positive outside of like, probably this is a point that people were coming to the defense of like, like, you know, the bad reviews or well, not to the defense of them, but they were calling out the bad reviews. And we had a whole discussion about the review processes and how we should like how, how we should ignore them and not take them as seriously as people do and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the win still came regardless uh i think to bethesda and microsoft in that in that gravitational pull to starfield and just you know it, it put my it put xbox back on the map as far as i'm concerned when it comes to you know delivering delivering on games and so um yeah you you take your win where you can and i think that was a huge win who cares if it didn't get nominated for game of the year as i said there was even if it got nominated it was gonna still be an uphill battle for anything to beat boulders gate 3 and even zelda there so um yeah if what is nobody's gonna really remember that it wasn't nominated other than the you know the jilted xbox fans but you know we move on <laughs> yeah i mean and we're also coming off the back of a year where xbox was almost absent <laughs> like just didn't have any games in the yeah. running or if they did probably one at the most but now we come where they have three of their four first party releases showing up in the nomination. So that's a major step forward. And it's just people, it's this thing where, like, I don't want to say instant gratification, but it's just taking every opportunity to try to diminish Microsoft for what they're doing. And it's like, it, like what, they, they were supposed to sweep the awards this year just because they bought everything? Like, that's not how that works. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take more releases until they strike that formula. Like these things don't just happen overnight. So whatever, man. These trolls can, can, can go somewhere. They can go into the 10 freeway and hope it doesn't catch fire again. We got troll. Yeah, troll. 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 Uh, I got to call it an episode, A-Dub, unfortunately. I know there's plenty of Totally understand, my good man. Yeah. Tons of stuff. We'll try to touch on it next week. And, you know, we'll hopefully have a bit more for you, a bit new stuff. We'll we'll hit you with some old stuff that we possibly missed if we Mm -hmm. deem it necessary. But you know what? If you stay tuned, we're going to have something for you. Yes, sir. Well, this is Control Issues. I am the A-A-C. This is A-Dub. We are Control Issues. Thanks for playing. Sucker!